welcome you to Alger Assembly of God. We welcome you to the beginning of a, another brand new series. It's very simply entitled, And. And, and not, not a big name. It's, it's a series that's been encouraged by, even resourced by our Assemblies of God, encouraging us to point to and focus on and lead up to Pentecost Sunday emphasizing the Holy Spirit and baptism in the Holy Spirit. And so in these number of weeks leading up to, we'll be looking at the Holy Spirit and things like the Holy Spirit and evangelism, the Holy Spirit's role in that. Holy Spirit and water baptism. We'll be teaching and preaching and encouraging individuals to be baptized in water in obedience to the Lord. The Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit baptism, Pentecost Sunday, and certainly any Sunday, an opportunity of seeking and receiving the baptism in the Holy Spirit. But today we begin looking at the Holy Spirit and prayer. Prayer. So let me ask a question then. Do you find it easy to pray? If you looked at your prayer life, would you say 100% it is a rock-solid, awesome prayer life? I'm seeing some smiles. I even saw some head shakes. If you're thinking or out loud demonstrating no, guess what? I think you're in some good company. Just about anybody and everybody, if we take a look at our own prayer life, would agree it can grow. It can improve. I can learn and grow and do better with the Lord. Many of the greats of church history even would struggle when it comes to prayer. Dietrich Bonhoeffer admitted this about his prayer life. He said it was something to be ashamed of. Individuals that many times we look up to. Martin Luther, who anguished in prayer daily for hours, seldom seemed satisfied. So if you're coming into today saying that my prayer life can grow and increase and be enriched, we've come to the right place. So I invite you, turn with me in the New Testament to the book of Acts. We've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. And in Acts chapter 3, we see Peter and John, a couple of the apostles who encounter a man on their way to the temple. He was a lame man, born crippled. And in Acts chapter 3, in the name of Jesus Christ, he's healed. This is that time where, uh, you know, he is begging for money and they respond with the, the quote, silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, I'm about to give unto you. They reach out their hand. They say, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he does just that. Powerful, incredible. This man, born crippled, rises up and walks. How many of you know that would catch the attention of a crowd? Everybody knew this man. He was crippled. He was begging for money. Now he's walking around. So the crowd gathers around. Everyone's checking it out, and Peter takes advantage of the opportunity. He preaches the gospel. He urges them to repent, turn to, and trust in Jesus. Well, that doesn't make the religious leaders or the, the priests very, very happy, and so they, they get stirred up, and they bring Peter and John in for questioning. 
And then in Acts chapter 4, then verse 13, it says, The member of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the Scriptures. Stop right there. Some might look at that and say, oh, well, then I don't need any training in the Scriptures. That's not what that's saying, because later in the book of Acts, we see that the Bereans investigated and searched out the Scriptures daily. But what these individuals were saying is, hey, these people had not been specially trained, and yet what did they say? They recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. Man, if there's something that you want to be known for, not just, hey, you know, that person who looks a certain way, acts a certain way, speaks a certain way. You want to be known as someone who's been with Jesus. That's what Peter and John were. So uh, all this discussion, what do we do with, this, with these guys? I mean, everyone's speaking up about this healing, so they didn't think they could imprison them. So the next morning, basically, they give them a stern lecture. Everybody get your pointer finger out. Okay? We don't do this often, you know, but get that pointer finger out. Kind of look at someone as if you're going to give them the look and the point, and, you know, you got to do this. That's basically the Sanhedrin looked at Peter and John and said, Hey, you, don't preach anymore about the name of Jesus. And their response basically was, Hey, we've got to obey God rather than men. And they're like, Yeah, but don't do it. They didn't know what to do, didn't know what to say, but they released them. So in Acts chapter 4, then, as we continue, what they, what they do is they go back to see the believers. But I just want to skip ahead to some good stuff. Are you ready? Drop down to verse 31. Let's look at the end result here in chapter 4. It says, After the prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. All right, so we're probably going to have to back up then. The place where they were meeting shook. They're all filled with the Holy Spirit, and, and they preach the word of God with boldness. That's power. That, that's a pretty incredible, dynamic response. We're going to need to back up and see exactly what led to this. A little bit earlier, we said, hey, how are we in our prayer life? And most individuals, whether you pray five minutes a day or five hours a day, whether you've got this incredible, vibrant relationship or you're struggling, most people would say, I can learn, I can grow. There are some areas that I can improve on when it comes to my prayer life. How do you revolutionize your prayer life or your prayer time? Well, we're going to check it out. So as we start out, Here's a handful of principles from the apostles here, Acts chapter 4. And if we want to revolutionize our prayer time, our prayer life, our time with God, first of all, we've got to make prayer a priority. So we back up. Peter and John, they, they received that stern talking to from the Sanhedrin, those religious leaders. They released them. And what we see is that in verse 23, uh, they reported back and they connected back with the brothers, the believers in Christ, and they shared what had taken place. They shared how they preached. They shared how they uh, focused on Jesus Christ. They shared even, uh, no doubt, that stern talking to they had received. 
But in verse 24, it says, when they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voice together in prayer to God. First thing they did after hearing this incredible report was what? Celebrate? Throw a party? First thing they did was pray. Pray. They made prayer a priority. Prayer should be our first response and not just a last resort. Now listen, there's a lot of good things you and I can do when it comes to situations. There's a lot of people we can connect with and talk to and get information from. Maybe there's a bank account that you need to check to see if you can financially take care of what's coming your way. Maybe there's some people that need to connect with to check on about different things. But unfortunately, many times in our lives, God becomes that afterthought. Prayer becomes the afterthought for too many individuals. We begin saying, what can I do in this situation rather than what is God able to do? Unfortunately, too many times people will do everything but pray. One of the quotes uh, says this, you can do more than pray after you pray, but you can't do more than pray until you pray. I mean, there's a lot of stuff you can do after you pray, but you got to pray first to do all those other stuff. That's good. If we desire God to move in a mighty way, if we want some earth-shattering, place-shaking situation and supernatural things, it starts with prayer. This would be an interesting exercise, but go through the book of Acts beginning to end. Pick a version, pick a translation, but mark every place that you see them talking about the disciples praying. Certain versions or translations would actually give this quote, and they prayed. And they prayed. I mean, oftentimes at the beginning or the end or both of a situation, it says that they prayed. One particular individual who went through that didn't list what the specific version or translation was. They counted 48 times in the book of Acts. So one of you, read through the entire book, pick a version, pick a translation, and count how many times it says, and they pray. Uh, we'll check back with you next week. Homework for you. But suffice it to say, they prayed. Before going into situations, they prayed. Coming out of situations, they prayed. Everything that they faced was faced with prayer. Prayer was foundational. It was fundamental. Everything you and I do must be birthed in, began in, ended in, continued in prayer. That habit of praying and connecting with God. Listen, if you're on a mountaintop because life is good, pray. If you're down in the valley because life's not so good, pray. When you're facing a situation that you don't know what to do, pray. When you're facing a situation you think you know what to do, still pray. Are you catching this? Prayer must become a priority. These apostles, Peter and John, they had that stern talking to from, from a pretty stern group of individuals who weren't messing around. 
The first thing they did when they got together with the believers, they shared what happened and they prayed. Listen, in the midst of a culture and a society that is against God and opposes God, we must pray. Prayer must become a priority if we're desiring to revolutionize our time with God. Secondly, along with making prayer a priority, I believe we need to live together in unity. Stay right there. Same verse, verse 24, but listen to it. It says, when they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. All of the believers were lifting their voices together. It's like a double dose of unity. All of them praying together. All together. There was unity here. In the King James, it says they lifted up their voice to God with one accord. In the message, it says, hearing the report, they lifted their voices in a wonderful harmony of prayer. They were joining together, gathering together, uniting their hearts together in unity about the same exact thing. Division will always hinder prayer. But unity in prayer brings power and blessing. See, we can find encouragement, we can find support in unity. Again, Peter and John connected to, talked to by the Sanhedrin, but let go. They went and joined the believers. And some versions in verse 23 say that they went to their friends. Some say they went to their companions. Another translation says that they went to their own people. The first thing they did was they gathered together with people of like faith, people who knew the Lord, People who were praying for them, people who were connected to God with them. Do you have your own people? I trust, I hope that here in Alger Assembly of God, that this body of believers can be your people, your friends, your companions, people who walk together through life with you. So that when you face difficulties, when you face hardships, when you experience joys, that together in unity that God's people can connect. Yes, prayer ought to be a priority in our personal lives. That's something that we can do, ought to do on our own as we read through God's word and as we pray and we spend some time together with God, uh, having devotions on a regular basis. Praying for our foods, uh, always a good thing. Praying before going to bed, always a good thing. Lots of ways to pray, and certainly we can pray personally. But another important part is gathering together as they typify Gathering together as a body and lifting up needs of others. It's one thing to pray about us and our needs. And that is a part of prayer. But understand, if we're being honest, at times, our prayer time or our prayer life, if we're not careful, can be very me-focused, me-centered. Our, our 
our culture, our society is very me-focused and me-centered. Things are about me. What do, what do I need to be better? And if we're not careful, the only part of our prayer time is, God, help me, bless me, 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 me. Now, that is a part of prayer. We can bring our needs and requests to God at any time. But there's a whole other category and host of opportunities when it comes to prayer. It's not just praying about things that we personally are facing. We can pray for other people and pray for other needs. Let's not become so focused on what it is that we face that we neglect to remember, we neglect to lift up to the Lord the needs of others. So they made prayer a priority. They were living together in unity. Thirdly, to revolutionize our prayer life, our prayer time, I believe we need to trust in God's sovereignty. God's sovereignty. It means he's in charge. He's in control. Oh, but that also means that I'm not. That can be hard for us sometimes to get to. Again, back to verse 24, and I promise we're going to move on this time. It says, when they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. What was that prayer? What were they praying united together? They prayed, O sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea, and everything in them. They began this prayer by recognizing God's sovereign. He's God and they were not. That's always a good reminder to start off with. There is a God and it's not me. We chuckle, but sometimes we, the way we live and sometimes even pray, it's as if everything revolves around us. They're saying, God, you're sovereign. God, you've created it all. Heaven, earth, the sea, and everything in them. God, you are in control. Then they continue in their prayer. It's a lengthy prayer, I believe, uh, the longest recorded text of prayer in the book of Acts. And you say, long prayer, I mean, it's a, it's a number of verses. It's not like a number of chapters. But they pray and they reference God as the creator and they, they reference Jesus and they get to verse 28. And they say everything that they did, they, they've just referenced Herod and Pilate and the Gentiles and people who were against Jesus as Jesus died upon the cross. They said everything that they did was determined beforehand according to your will. They're saying, God, you understand, you're aware of, nothing is catching you by surprise. You are the sovereign Lord of all. You're in charge. Even all the stuff that happened to your son Jesus, you are aware this was accordance with your will. Listen, we serve a God in charge of the universe. Now, Pastor Tim Keller had an interesting quote. He said, most people want Jesus as a consultant rather than a king. They want him as a consultant, you know, that we can talk to, he gives advice, we listen, and then we just go ahead and do our own thing. They want God to be the consultant, not the king. See, if it's a king, you live for him, you serve him, you honor him, you obey him, you follow him, he's in charge, he's in control consultant, yeah, you can take or leave what they say. 
That describes a lot of today's society and culture. Treat him as the consultant, not really want to place him as king. Why? Because we want to be in charge. We want everything in accordance with how we want it. Now, this will be tough for you. How many of you, if you're, if you're being honest, would lift a hand and say, I, I like kind of being in, in charge. I like to be in control. I like to plan things out. I, I, I like things just so. Yeah, I see some of you had your arms raised for you by somebody else near you. Who knows that that's you? We like to be in charge. We like to be in control. Sometimes it's hard to release to somebody else. But that's what they were doing. They were saying, God, we trust you. Right off the bat, at the beginning of the prayer, God, you're sovereign. God, you're overall. God, you are in control. And at the end of this prayer, they're saying, everything happened in accordance with your will, God. You are in control. Many times we want to tell God what to do rather than trust in what God can do. God, I'm going to tell you what to do. I'm going to tell you what to do next. In fact, here's my five-step plan for me. Would you like that texted, emailed, or handwritten, God? And we present him our plan. We present him with our will. But boy, it's tough for us to rely on and trust in and submit to his will. But even Jesus Christ himself, praying in the garden, right? He said, not my will, but your will be done. Thy will. So we've got to trust in God's sovereignty. Can we control everything that happens around us? We'd like to. We wish we could, but we can't. So in the midst of that, learn to trust God. Now in this text, it's interesting what the disciples did and didn't pray for. Because if you had just been kind of released by some pretty mean-sounding, stern-talking Sanhedrin spiritual leaders who basically yelled at you and said, don't preach about Jesus, you might be a little fired up in response and your prayer might have a little edge. You ever had an edge in your prayers? <laughs> something happened, somebody did something, and, and you're praying, but you're, mm, get them, God. Verse 29, right after they had kind of wrapped up that portion that they said, everything was determined according to your will. Verse 29, they say, Now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Let's just be honest. The way they approach this is opposite and backwards to our personal response, our culture, our society. If we're using the words hear and give, uh, we're probably using them much, much different than they did. We would say, hear me and hear me well. Give it to them, God. Get them. They questioned us. God, they were mean with us. They were pointing their fingers at us. So God, you hear me, but go get them. You're smiling. You're chuckling. You ever had a few of those prayers? 
mm, get them, God. I'm bringing them to you in prayer, but I really want you just, just unleash it on them. Hear me, but give it to them. That's the exact opposite of what they prayed. They said, hear them. Hear their threats. Hear everything that's been said about you. Hear everything that's been done against you, but give us. And not give us stuff. What they pray for, give us great boldness in preaching your word. They just had gotten a, a stern talking to about preaching the word. And what are they praying for? Even more boldness to preach the word. Instead of, God, get them because they were mean to me, they were not praying to have their circumstances changed. They were not praying to God to wipe out their enemies. They were not praying to God for a peaceful, quiet, comfortable, smooth, easy life of ease. Instead, they're saying, God, equip us. God, empower us. God, give boldness so that we can preach your word even more and even more effectively. God, help us to tell more people about you. Even after we've just been told not to tell people about you. Listen, God's in control. He oversees, he can handle each and every problem you might face or I might face. Now listen, there's some doozies of a problem that we might face. You probably have, or you currently are, or maybe you're about to get into one of those. And it's often difficult to understand, or sometimes it's difficult to remember, in the midst of the challenge, in the midst of the difficulty, sometimes it's hard to remember God's still in control. Because of what I'm facing, it is large, and it looms in front of me, and I don't know what to do, and I don't know where to turn, and, and that's why a lot of people, when they face difficulties, will walk away from or turn away from God. Well, if God's such a good and loving God, why does this bad stuff happen? God hasn't promised that we would never face difficulties. He has promised to be with us in the midst of every difficulty. But for many individuals, if there's any sort of difficulty or bad stuff in the world, it must mean that God doesn't know, or it must mean that God doesn't care, or it must mean that God can't do anything about it. All three of those are false and incorrect. God does know. God does care. And God is able to meet your needs. He is able to heal and provide and strengthen and direct. We may not be able to control the things that happen around us. That's true. But we can raise our voices and lift up our prayers to the one able to intervene able to intercede on our behalf. Trust in his sovereignty. He can bring good even out of situations that seem to spin out of control. Want to revolutionize a prayer life? Make prayer a priority. Live together with one another in unity. Trust in God's sovereignty. And finally today, believe 
for the miraculous. Believe for the miraculous. So we, we finish verse 29, and they're praying opposite. We would say, God, hear me and let them have it. They're praying, God, hear them. But let us have boldness in verse 29. But verse 30, it says this, Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your servant, Jesus. That was their prayer. That's what they asked for. Hear their threats. Hear what everybody else is saying about you, but strengthen us that we can preach with boldness. Let there be healing power, miraculous signs and wonders. Let it be done through the name of Jesus. That's their prayer. They were believing and asking God for the miraculous. And again, much of how they face things is often opposite than what we might approach things. We, we might want healings for different reasons. We simply, very honestly, we want healing because we don't want to be sick. Natural response. Their healings, their signs and wonders they were calling for and praying for, they were saying, Every miracle, every healing, every sign, every wonder is an opportunity to point somebody to Jesus. As they see a healing, as they experience a miracle, as they witness signs and wonders, it points them to a God who's mighty and strong and powerful and loving and enables us to continue to preach and share the good news about Jesus. Even their prayer for healing and miraculous signs and wonders was what? So that more and more and more and more people might hear and be pointed and directed to him. Praying for signs and wonders, that's a pretty bold prayer. How many of you know we can pray bold prayers? God, would you heal this? God, would you provide here? God, would you guide and direct? We can pray for miraculous. Believe for the miraculous. Do so with a heart full of faith. It's not me. It's not you who are able to do it. It's God who's able to do the healing. It's God who's able to do the providing. It's God who can help clear up what seems so confusing and provide guidance and direction. Believe for the miraculous and let him do what he wants to do. You know, there's a story a number of years ago about a church that had bought this brand new and expensive organ. They'd even hired somebody to come and dedicate it. They were going to give a concert, but this Time came, the Sunday came, the service came, and when the professional sat down to play the brand new organ, uh, there was no sound. So someone spoke up and said, let's pray. Sounds like someone who had been uh, part of the early church. The beginning of things, at the end of things, all the way through the middle of things, let's pray. So during the prayer, the custodian walked over and saw that it very simply was unplugged. He plugged it back in, and, and then he wrote a note and handed it to the organist while they were praying, and his note said, after the prayer, the power will be on. That's good. Acts chapter 4, after the prayer, the power would be on. 
after the prayer, what did we see had happened? It said this. After this prayer, verse 31, the meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they preached the word of God with boldness. You want to talk about earth-shattering, place-shaking, life-altering miracles? What comes after they prayed? They had made prayer a priority in their life. They had lived together in unity. They were believing God and trusting in his sovereignty. And then they were believing for the miraculous. And after they prayed, God brought the miraculous. <laughs> 